with the latest on the corporate front, all the market trends, expert opinion, and sound business advice. It is your unique window into the business world, direct from the heart of China. Hello and welcome to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Coming up, we will have half an hour of business news and analysis. Our stories include: U.S. President Joe Biden has signed the Inflation Reduction Act into law, but how can it solve the problem? And we will also take a look at China's housing market and the economy as a whole. And now let's begin with our top story. Inflation has dominated the news in the U.S. and EU in recent months. The latest figure shows that、uh, the U.S. inflation hit 8.5 percent in July. Meanwhile, inflation across the eurozone has reached a new record high of 8.9 percent. U.S. President Joe Biden has signed the Inflation Reduction Act into law. The package will boost renewable energy, cap some drug costs, and impose new taxes on large corporations. But will it really solve the U.S. inflation issue and why is inflation global phenomenon right now? How are different countries using different approaches to deal with it? For more on this, joining us on the line now is Dr. Yao Shujie, Chang'an Professor of Economics at Chongqing University, and also Anna Tengen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute. So, gentlemen, welcome to our show. Pleasure to be、Hello. here, Gao Yang. So, Ina, first of all, President Joe Biden has signed the Inflation Reduction Act into law. So, what can you tell us about it? Well, it has very little to do with inflation in the short and medium run.、Uh, it will,、uh, with this emphasis on renewable energy, it will make、uh, energy at least more predictable going into the future. But really, it has nothing to do with inflation, and that is the problem. Inflation is the number one issue on people's mind. It's over seventy-five percent, and that's reflected in the fact that sixty-three percent of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And credit card debt is going is skyrocketing as people try to close the gap between what they need to do and the amount of money they have, or they, you know, what they feel they need to do、uh, using credit.、Mm-hmm. And Ina, so what do you think are some of the main reasons for this wave of U.S. inflation? Is it a demand side issue or supply side issue? In the case of the United States, it's a little bit of both.、Uh, the supply side issue is obviously linked to logistics, the tariffs, the、uh, war in Ukraine,、um, a number of factors in there. There's also cyclical factors in there. But on the demand side,、uh, what you have was, you know, the stimulus checks that came in from the Biden administration uh, and before uh, gave people money, regardless of whether they needed it.、Uh, many people, you know, were in dire need.、Uh, the checks were not enough. And other people who kept their jobs and really didn't have any effects during the、uh, pandemic, other than you know personal uh, uh, inconvenience, they got additional checks. So they're spending that money, increasing、uh, demand that is out there at the same time that the supply is decreasing. This has caused a real, real problem that is not only affecting the United States; it's also affected Europe and everywhere else in the world.、Mm. And so, Shu Jie, what do you think are the main reason for this wave of、uh, inflation? The U.S. putting too much money onto the market is that、uh, one of the main reasons? Yeah, I think this is the, a key explanation because、um, it, the amount of supply of commodity in the market is limited, and、uh, if we print more money without actually,、uh, in, you know, working in the job market, just have easy money, then. Ah,、uh, the money is is 
more, uh, you know, worthless in a sense. So more money buy less good uh, means inflation. And plus, the, you know, the Ukraine crisis in, in the East, I think is actually driving up the expectation of prices in oil, energy, uh, food, cost, and so on and so forth. So the expectation of, of commodity price to continue to rise. And also the, you know, the amount of supply in the market is uh, restricted. So it comes to a very high inflation we haven't seen for many decades. In the Western economy, unfortunately. Mm. So I know the U.S. Act actually will boost renewable energy, will cap some drug costs, and impose new taxes on the large corporations. And the new measures will invest almost 400 billion U.S. dollars into energy and climate projects to reduce the carbon emissions. But what does these new measures mean for green energy sectors? Well, I mean, the energy sector, is, it's very interesting because what they're proposing to do is with the renewables, a lot of this is going to be in the area of wind and solar. Guess who makes a lot of wind and solar? China. Uh, the, the big blades, the, um, a lot of the component pieces that go into it uh, are all going to be made in China, but they're going to be shipped to the U.S. Now, the issue is that within this bill and other bills, what they're saying is a buy American uh, process or requirement. And uh, this goes to EV as well as everything else. And what they're saying is that unless it has enough uh, uh, American components and added value, uh, the government won't pay for it or they won't uh, give the subsidy. So at this juncture, uh, it's very, very difficult to do that. I mean, for instance, in terms of EV, there's no company currently in the world, uh, regardless of where they're from, who would qualify for the uh, what the uh, Bill says is necessary in order to get uh, these tax rebates or these uh, subsidies that they're giving for EVs. And mm. the same thing for the uh, solar and wind energy. There's mm. just no way to uh, get them. And also on the tax side, it will impose a 15% minimum tax aimed at uh, those rich corporations. So, Aina, how do you expect it to impact the U.S. economy in the short term and in the long run? Well, it's not going to impact uh, the, the larger companies in the in the, sh in the short run. I mean, they might uh, re-engineer some of the, their uh, the way that they go at their accounting. Uh, remember, this tax is the same as the alternative minimum tax that was imposed years ago on individuals to prevent them from uh, using clever tax planning to avoid paying taxes at all. Uh, the question is, how effective will this be? Uh, many of these companies are going to push back. Remember, in the United States, policies are good today, but they're uh, not good tomorrow. The battle goes on, and a lot of these will be coming back and saying, look, uh, carve out an exception for us, pass a new bill, uh, do whatever is necessary, because they make a lot of money not necessarily just by uh, producing products or services, but by playing the government game. And this is what lobby, why lobbyists on K Street uh, are able to walk around in uh, very expensive suits and drive very, very nice cars. This is mm. a big part of the American uh, democracy and economic engine. Mm -hmm. And Shujie, the White House said the Inflation Act would help reduce the government budget deficit by uh, $300 billion U.S. billion over the next decade. But what are the chances that uh, it will achieve this result? I have to look at the figure. I mean, 10 years for $300 billion U.S. billion is actually not a big number. And also, uh, the U.S. government changed policy all the time. So the, the policy in the current administration could be shifted by the next uh, president. So 
I have a very strong doubt whether this council policy would make any sense at all. Uh, because um, if, Joe, if Joe Biden is going down by another president, and then the policy could be changed. So the question is how this policy is, is going to be implemented from the top to the root, uh, to, the, to, to the corporate level. And Aina just pointed out, you know, the, the, Fed, the Fed government have policy, but the corporation, they have their own act, and they try to avoid uh, being hit by this kind of policy. So the effectiveness of this policy is the problem. Mm. So, and, the, and, the, and the way they try to, to solve the problem, I think it's just fairly uh, short-sighted. It's not actually long-term uh, planning at all. Mm. And Aina, so for the U.S. inflation, do you think maybe the worst is over? Because now it's a lot of discussion about that. And the central bank, of course, the central bank officials have indicated that uh, they are not convinced that the battle against the uh, inflation is won. Well, I, I think in terms of energy, uh, other than gas, yes, uh, oil is fungible. There is enough oil out there. If you look at uh, oil demand and oil supply, the the lines actually match up. The issue is natural gas. That is going to continue to be in shortage. It's not something you can solve with other things very easily. Uh, they, you know, they're closing down uh, coal plants in Europe, uh, etc. So Europe is going to bear a lot of the brunt of this. Uh, that probably makes some people in the U.S. happy because you know Europe is their main competitor. So inflation, but inflation on the food side is going to continue. What what you did is you had a major interruption in terms of not only the supply coming out of Russia and Ukraine, but the fertilizer that was coming out of there was going to the rest of the world, especially places like South America and the Middle East. When that uh, supply of fertilizers interrupted, it reduced the amount of crops. Yeah, it was estimated between 3 and 6% in Europe alone, just because of the fertilizer issue. But uh, also, you know, we've had a lot of climate change issues. And while there are some areas like Australia that are doing very well, Russia's uh, wheat uh, forecast is looking very, very good, barring uh, any kind of weather catastrophe. Uh, the issue is that uh, there is not enough making up, uh, make up to avoid having increases in food uh, issues. So that is going to continue to be a problem. Mm. And so, Shujie, do you agree with Aina? And do you think the Federal Reserve will continue their aggressive uh, interest rate hikes in the rest of the year? Well, the interest the interest rate uh, height would uh, have some uh, country country effect on the current situation because interest high is not a, 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 you know a recipe for the high inflation as we're talking about. Uh, the high inflation is the demand supply imbalances and distortion at the moment, and the interest rate is basically just to dump the dump the economy because. Uh, Investment will become more costly, and uh, you know, consumer credit will become more costly. So it's going to hit the the macro economy. So in the short term, I think it seems like you could uh, you pour a bucket of cold water on the on on the heated head uh, for inflation. But mm. in the longer term, in the medium term, actually the U.S. economy may suffer as a result. So uh, it. it the Fed actually face a very significant dilemma at the moment because it, they know they know very well. Mm. You know, the, the height of the interest rate is not going to solve the problem, it's, but uh, they have to do it because they, the, the market uh, sentimental 
actually rely on the indication of this kind of government policy. But Shuji, if the rates do keep going up, what do you expect to be the impact on other countries, especially those emerging market economies? Well, uh, because the U.S. dollar will become more expensive, and and uh, money will probably going going back to the U.S. or or and then would you know the keep the country which have depends on foreign currency reserve, uh, you know, basically based on the U.S. dollar. They are going to suffer. So the in a sense that the, the if the American have a cold, then the other country, uh, you know, would have a fever. This is the still the situation, unfortunately. Especially the very small open uh, market economy, they're mm. going to suffer most. Mm. And Ina, so talking about the Europe, because uh, you know they didn't raise the uh, interest rate till recently. They have another issue, which is an energy crisis. Their situation is much more complicated. But the end result is they are paying more for food. They are paying more for energy, and they do have an inflation problem that、uh, I think they are behind the curve when it comes to getting it under control. So, what do you think of the situation in Europe, right? Now, well, it's it's fairly dire. You're going to see,、uh, you know, political outcomes、uh, because of these、uh, factors out there.、Uh, people are very, very unhappy.、Uh, they're going to make that known when they go to the polls.、Uh, they're going to、uh, kick out any government、uh, that is there because they're going to blame them.、Uh, they haven't been able to respond effectively to it.、Uh, it, it goes beyond,、um, you know, this just issue of you know what's happening in Europe. Why is it happening in Europe? Well, obviously Ukraine, but you know Ukraine has changed the model completely.、Uh, now, instead of being dependent on、uh, Russia for oil and food and grains and things like that, Europe is now dependent on the United States. The difficulty there is that the United States is the number one competitor、uh, for the EU, and the, the reason I say that is not a hostile competition; it just simply. Everything that is made in the U.S. is also made in the EU. Whether you're talking about airplanes or complex medical machines,、mm-hmm. so this puts the EU at a very, very long-term disadvantage. In addition to、uh, the short-term pressures it's feeling from inflation.、Mm. And so, Shuji, actually, it's different in Europe. But what could they do to tame the inflation? <laughs> I, I think they are just hopeless. You can see that the. Inflation in the UK, in the European U, U,、uh, member states, they are keep they keep going up. The only consequences is the consumer, also the the general public,、uh, their pay is not going up as much as the inflation. So real income is actually declining. So unfortunately, the the inflation is only the phenomenon, but the weakening of the fundamental of the economy is the real issue. Mm. And、uh, the European countries, they are you know, compared compared to the United States and China, they are relatively small, so they are less tolerable、uh, to the external shock that we have been、uh, seeing today because of the the demanding supply situation. Commodity prices are continuing to rise, and also the disruption of the energy supply in the European continent.、Mm. This is going to generate a huge problem. And I just don't see any,、uh, you know, you know, ready, very short-term solution for them.、Mm. They're just going to suffer. Yeah. 
Mm. Uh, Shuji, both you and Aina mentioned the energy issue in the European Union. The EU bans on the uh, Russian coal imports is going to effect now, and now the EU also wants to cut the natural gas consumption by 15%. So we've run a lot of stories where people are wearing uh, sweaters or plan to you know, change the temperature and save natural gas. So is that going to be enough to get Europe through this winter? Well, you see, the, the, the policy message is also uh, ridiculous. How can you cut the, the supply of natural gas by 15%? Basically, you just ask the Republic to suffer uh, the cold weather in the winter. And we don't know yet because uh, this summer is particularly hot and maybe in the winter it's going to be particularly cold. So mm. are, the, are, the, are the government in the European uh, country going to ask their people to suffer in the cold weather? You know, 15% is not a small amount. But I know, you know, how difficult for the for the poor household when it is really cold. They First of all, they have no money. And secondly, they, have the, they don't have the means to, to get the, the, the heating, the heater supply. So the, the people are going to suffer even more. So the government, this council policy, I just can't understand how they're going to work. Basically, basically they are just... Um, you know, self-damaging, and they don't care about mm. the poor people in their own country when the situation getting so bad. Mm. So, Anna, so how will all this impact the economies of the countries like Germany, which is uh, Europe's largest economy? Well, obviously, if they, they're a huge exporter, if they can't export because their factories can't run, uh, this is going to be a major problem. You're already starting to see strikes. People are complaining about the uh, loss of real income due to inflation, uh, the shortages, etc. So at this juncture, you're, you're looking at everything that the Professor Yah has said leads to one conclusion. When voters go to the polls to vote, they're going to be angry. And when they're angry, they're going to vote for change. So we don't know exactly who's going to emerge, what they're going to promise. But this goes to the weakness of the system. Right now, what is necessary is long-term planning, having a strategy to deal with the short-term and the long-term. And that is what is lacking both in Europe and the United States. Well, we're speaking with Aina Tengen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute, and also Yao Shujie, Chang Kong Professor of Economics at Chongqing University. And after a short break, we'll take a look at China's housing market and the economy. Stay with us. Hello, this is Michael Zhang. Greetings from Los Angeles of the Golden State of California. Thank you today for making me part of your team. I truly enjoyed the debates we had and look forward to many more in the years to come. You are listening to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. China has released its main economic indicators for July. Retail sales grew by 2.7% in July from a year ago, down from 3.1% in June. And industrial profits rose by 3.8% in the same month. Meanwhile, the unemployment rate came in at 5.4% in July. This is better than the previous month. So let's take a look at the latest economic figures for July. What do they tell us about the economy? Um, the, all the figures you just mentioned actually have a mis, uh, you know, you know, uh, indication. 
Uh, first of all, I think uh, all the indicators that China is still experiencing uh, positive growth in retail, in industrial output, in in terms of uh, you know export and so. But the the problem is that the Chinese uh, economic growth has not actually gone this low for many decades, apart from the 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 the, the you know the financial crisis, apart from the COVID nineteen. Uh, crisis in 2020. So this is a significant challenge uh, for the central government. We can see some other figures also. Uh, the budget revenue is uh, contracting, but the expenditure is increasing. So uh, China is also, like we talk about, <laughs> facing uh, some very difficult situation, although the magnitude is not the same as Europe or the United States. But China is facing uh, Significant challenges, not only the domestic, uh, you know, market, but also the external environment, particularly the COVID-19 pandemic, which have been hitting China quite, uh, you know, unexpectedly high in the second quarter of this year, and it seems like it's continuing in July or so. So what China uh, need to do is to make sure that. Uh, some, you know, investment project got to be lowered out very quickly, and also some policy have to be implemented to encourage uh, consumer, uh, you know, demand and and carefully manage manage the balance of preventing the the contagion of the COVID nineteen pandemic and also the normal exemption of economy activity, particularly in the service sector. And the housing market, of course, uh, is you now a, a major headache, not only for the central government but also for the local uh, authority as well. Mm. And so, Aina, so how do you see the Chinese economy right now? Well, I, I want to agree completely with Professor Yao that the Chinese economy is growing. It's just not growing as fast as they would like it to grow. So this is not the situation where you have negative growth in areas uh, outside of of, of China. Second, uh, the, China is facing headwinds, but this is an interesting uh, comparison. We just talked about the lack of long-term planning uh, in terms of Europe and the United States. Now we're going to see how China can deal with its problems, because this is a long-term problem. The real estate has been an issue for quite some time. They've been trying to bring the median house price down to the median income, so it's more accessible to everybody. They also have about a 12% vacancy, which is... Uh, you know, fairly high. The U.S., for example, has 11.1%, and I'm talking in the residential uh, vacancies. Uh, this is also putting pressure on small banks, especially the regional ones. Uh, so the government has to come up with a long-term plan. Uh, second, they have to look at how they can balance uh, the uh, you know, the economy, the construction part is a huge part in everything from steel, glass, cement, you name it, uh, its services in terms of engineering. Uh, that has to be maintained. They're doing a lot of projects in terms of uh, infrastructure projects, but that's probably not enough. There is still pent-up demand from people who want to have their own home. The question is price. They're going to have to come up with an innovative way of addressing that. And that might be um, not necessarily subsidized housing, but different kinds of programs that allow houses to be brought, bought at lower prices, but perhaps cannot be sold for longer periods. So, Shujie, considering the changing demographics in China, the aging population, what do you think is the long-term outlook for China's uh, property market? The long-term outlook, I think China has a huge population, and although 
the the housing condition have been improved uh, massively, but there are still quite a uh, lots of people who haven't actually have a house or they haven't have a decent house. So the in the longer term, I think the demand is there, the potential is there. The in the the problem we are facing the short and long and the medium term is how we can manage the market so that. Uh, people at the lower end of the the income distribution, they can afford a house. And mm. this is the issue that uh, the central and local government have to really look at this issue. Mm. So, Aina, the Consumer Price Index, or CPI, rose by 2.7% here in China in July. So does China face pressures from the imported inflation, especially in the rest of the year? Yes, yeah, so it will continue to have pressures as, uh, you know, China has been very good about arranging its situation, both in terms of energy and food. They have a large stockpile of food. They have a large stockpile of, of uh, oil. Um, they obviously have coal. Uh, they have long-term contracts. So they're not facing the same kind of immediate concerns that you see, especially in Europe, but are also affecting the U.S. So from that point, it's fine. But you're going to see an overall drop in demand, an increase in commodity prices, uh, this will continue to go on until it reaches that tipping point where commodity, their global demand goes down enough so that commodity prices start to come down. I mean, China prospers when the world prospers. Mm-hmm. And so, Xu Jie, last, uh, what policy tools do we have for the economy in the rest of the year? Well, the, the, there are still quite a lot of policy instruments that the government can do. I think, first of all, the, they should continue to uh, in, improve the liquidity in the market so that uh, enterprises can get access to easy money and invest, and consumers should be allowed to you know to spend more and and some sort of program encouraging the procurement of automobile and also the change of electronic product, uh, not only in the city but in the countryside. All this would help, mm-hmm. and uh, enterprises would continue to employ people. The government should continue to, uh, you know, invest uh, relatively more heavily uh, in the infrastructure sector, so that the economy would not going down any further. Mm. So this this is what the government can do. You know, uh, confidence when the market is bad is very important. So the government should have confidence. Uh, the local government should also have confidence, and consumers should be able to see the the, the prospect that the economy is continuing to boost. Mm. Well, we're speaking with Dr. Yao Shujie, Chang Kong Professor of Economics at Chongqing University, and also Aina Tengen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Thank you so much for listening. <music>